Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into Kentico, a very broad topic, but a very important one today. I'm very excited to be joined in studio today by Dominic Pinter, the CEO of Kentico. Very excited to have you here in Chicago with us. Uh, Dominic, you want to give us a little bit of background about yourself and about Kentico? Yes, yes. Uh, Hello, everybody. Very glad to be here today. Yeah, so my name is Dominic Pinter. As you mentioned, I'm CEO of Gentico. And actually, my background is really technical. I used to be a developer back in 2007. Actually, when I first joined Gentico, I used to be a developer for multiple years. And um, I was developing parts of our product back then. And then I switched to product management. And I started to work more with the clients and customers and understanding the market needs and stuff like that. After that, uh, for five years, I was doing different things. Uh, I left Kentico. I was in hospitality technology startup. I was also working for one uh, big software company, really corporate one, Fortune 500 company. And then in 2020, opportunity came that I could go back to Kentico. Because at that point, basically, Kentico uh, was splitting as a company into two divisions, Kentico Experience and Content as a, these two divisions. And basically, Kentico was looking for new management team for Kentico Experience as a division. So I came in originally as VP product. And then six months after that, I switched my role to managing director. So since then, and that's uh, January 2021, so since then, I was responsible for that division, for that business uh, overall. Yeah, and a couple months after that, actually uh, 18 months uh, after that, we did uh, another change and we will be talking about that change uh, today more, I guess. Wonderful. Yeah, we'll unpack that change later. But before we get into that, let's do a little bit of just diving into kind of how our podcast is typically structured, right? So it's mm-hmm. lessons for tomorrow, lessons from the past to apply in the present for success in the future. So let's kind of rewind a little bit and go back to the start of Kentico, yes. which was around 2004. Yes. Um, and Correct. so when we look at just where Kentico was then, 2004 is, a, I mean, we're talking almost 20 years ago now and it's, it's coming up, but the kind of origin of CMSs, right? So we kind of got out of the static HTML pages of websites, maybe a couple builders. Uh, Dreamweaver definitely was popular back then when it used to be Macromedia's product before Adobe acquired them. But let's talk about kind of that origin of CMS and Kentico's starts and give us a little bit of background there as we move forward. Yes, absolutely. This is actually a very interesting story. So Back in 2003-04, where our original uh, CEO and founder, Peter Palas, uh, started this company, he was actually working as a developer and product manager in one um, Czech Republic-based companies. And he was maintaining, I believe, intranet for that company. And he wasn't really happy at that point because I think that that intranet has been built on top of the SharePoint. And everybody who had to manage SharePoint probably uh, understands the pain uh, around that product. Anyway, he really was looking for the solution, how he can very easily develop uh, new parts of that intranet solution and how to extend that uh, and stuff like that. 
and he couldn't really find any suitable product in the market which would be based on uh, ASP.NET and on Microsoft technology stack. So he decided to really build a CMS which is very easy to use for the developers, which is really easy to customize, easy to extend, and really easy to work with. And this is how Kentico has been born. So from the day one, Peter was really solving his own problem. And that's, I believe, uh, very important when you start any business whatsoever, that if you really understand the business problem and you know how the solution could look like, that if you really go and, and go for that, then uh, something amazing can happen. Yeah. So this is how he got started. He got started really from his uh, living room. And since the day one, he really built the company in the way so it's bootstrapped. So it's really funded just from its uh, profit. And this has been story for us for these all uh, 17 and 18 years that we've always been profitable. We've always really invested the money which we made. From this 2004, we started originally as this .NET based CMS. Then around 2007 or eight, we added a couple more solutions. We added internet solution, social networking solution, digital commerce solution. After that, uh, there was this big boom of all of these digital marketing suites and platforms. So we started to adding that. And I would say that in 2012 or 13, we've really had the solid platform, which you could today call as DXP. Mm -hmm. So the foundation was, was there. And I believe that very important part of our legacy and our history is that we always knew where market is going. And even though we are, you know, small company out of Czech Republic, we always have been able to innovate so uh, rapidly and so quickly and really bring the things to the market before the market really needed them or, or before the market knew that this is the future direction. So a couple more examples besides this digital marketing suite, which I believe, again, at that time was a little bit ahead of the market. but. Other things are, for example, headless solution. I remember still in 2011, where we were building really our first RESTful APIs and really our first headless version into our product. Or in 2010, we've really started to invest into the cloud in uh, Microsoft Azure specifically. I remember that I was actually at that time flying over to Redmond, Washington, because Microsoft Azure at that point was still in the technical preview, but somehow we got invited into this program and we were working, you know, really with the Microsoft people from the very beginning of the platform to really make sure that our product is running smoothly on that platform. Internally, I was responsible for that project, which for me was like super exciting to do that. And then, yeah, in 2000, I think 12 or 13, we really had the solution which was able to run on top of Microsoft Azure, on top of AWS. And also at that point, we started this other project, which was our first software as a service offering. It was called Kentico Plus. And I was in charge actually of, of that project. Ultimately, that project wasn't commercially successful. However, we learned so much 
throughout uh, two or three years when we were running this project, like how really DXP or CMS solution should work in the cloud and how really we should operate that, how, how this whole model in our industry should work. So it was, again, you know, very exciting. And as I said, we learned so much in that. And again, that solution was really really ahead of the market and and i would say a little bit premature also from our standpoint uh but then you know all of this experience which we got we could later on invest into internal startup uh, which today is called as content or Mm -hmm. content ai and then also we used some of that experience into building our own next generation platform which is also SaaS and and cloud native uh, platform Wonderful. And Dominic, we've always loved the phrase that Kentico has used, right? Every decision we've made was for you. And I think it's just so true from the origins of Kentico and how you talked about Pitar going in and, and looking at, you know, how do I make the everyday work of web developers easier? Yes. But when I do that, I'm actually also benefiting the marketers at the same time. Yes. And I think that's so critical, especially in today's world. And, and you mentioned a word there that I want to jump back to and unpack more of just over the years, right, we've had the CMSs, or even before that, the web CMS, WCMS to CMS, and now DXP is the latest, mm-hmm. greatest flavor of buzzword, <laughs> right, that we, we have right now. But it's true because these platforms, to your point, have evolved over time. Uh, new features or completely separate functions have been added on top of the same platform from the same company. And with Kentico, uh, definitely have seen that growth, the digital marketing tools uh, we utilize with our clients, and we're very excited about how we can utilize those. But you mentioned the word headless, and I think this is one I want to unpack alongside of the word composable. There's so much emphasis on people who want, I need to have a composable solution. I need to go headless. But when you really start to look at it and you really unpack it, is it a positive? Where is the true fit for that? And where mm-hmm. where does Kentico kind of provide, you mentioned kind of going down that headless path a little bit and early on, but what is the true opportunity with those where sometimes it is appropriate and sometimes it's not? What's what's your take on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, a great question. So let me first answer this and then I would like to get to one more thing, which is more our philosophy. And like when you said that phrase, you know, this really resonates with me and I want to go back to this as well in a little bit. But first, that composable and headless. So it really depends on who you are, how mature your organization is and where you are on your digital journey. Because, and I'll just use here a very extreme example, right? Like let's take Amazon.com, really the company which pioneered a lot of digital commerce and other practices around the web. So with this company really going full composable, meaning that you, you know, even home built some pieces of functionality because there is no tool out there which provides such a functionality or that you really take best of breed what is in the market today and you connect all of these things together and build your own DXP platform from scratch. For a company like Amazon.com, this completely makes sense, right? Because their business and their innovation really relies on let's say this need of being able to customize everything and really everything needs to be built exactly how they want. And, you know, for them, this totally makes sense. But for anybody else, 
I'm not actually so convinced that this strategy makes sense because you need to realize that with composable DXP and when you are really building your own platform from all of these best of breed tools, you need to realize that actually, first of all, you are responsible for all of these integrations, connections, and really making sure that everything works together, right? And mm -hmm. if some problem happens between one tool, I mean, let's say there is a problem between MailChimp and your BigCommerce solution, right? It's you who is responsible to really figure out where's the problem because like MailChimp or uh, BigCommerce can't help you, right? Because they, they are not in charge of that integration because you've done that. So you need to realize this. You need to realize all that complexity which goes together with that, right? Like you need to manage all the relationships with all of those vendors, right? Like with their procurements, making sure that uh, the, the license cost is under control, which by the way, brings me also to this point that it's super expensive, you know, because when you, when you buy uh, some solution which provides more capabilities, you typically pay much less for, you know, single capability or for single functionality than when you are buying all of these best of free tools, right? So there is a lot of complexity and it takes also a lot of time and a lot of lot of effort. And when you take a look at how difficult today is to actually get the developers inside of your organization, right? Like everybody, all the companies today are in a sense software companies and everybody needs developers, right? But like it's super difficult to, to find them. I mean, in Czech Republic for us, it's sometimes, you know, matter of months before we can get some some developers here. Like in Bay Area, like when I used to work for this other company who was based there, it took us years, you know, to, mm -hmm. to really get uh, some quality developers in, right? So it's super, super difficult, super complex. You really need to understand what you are doing. And I think that many companies have tried that, both Composable and I'll get in a second to Headless as well. And, and they now coming back a little bit more to the traditional way because they realized this complexity, they realized how difficult it is for them to manage all of that, you know, from the business perspective, finance perspective, architecture perspective, all of these aspects. And they realized that simply it's not worth it, that it's, you know, that ROI is typically not there for Amazon.com for sure, for many others out there, probably not. And this is very similar to me, like with Headless as well, because Headless is very powerful, right? And if you are type of the company who really, I'm always using this example with the logo, right? Like if you really do care that your logo is like five pixels left or right on the page, and you really don't allow for any, let's say, pre-designs of, of the tool, whether it's, it's us or some other tool, then actually, yes, headless for the front end typically makes sense for you. But again, for every single thing which your digital marketing team needs to do, they rely on the work of the developers, right? So it takes naturally more time because first the marketing guy needs to describe what they want, then somebody needs to implement that, then there is some back and forth, right? And then again, you need to have those developers who are assigned to these digital marketers. And if the digital marketer wants to do something, you know, really quickly, they are unable to. So 
are motto in this and what you said before, like that actually enabling developers, this is definitely true, but also we want to always empower the digital marketer, the, the content editors, the business personas of the system. So most of their job they can really do on their own. And one of my personal beliefs is that the future of the tools and of the software development is much more in low code, no code approach than in, for example, this developer Devi approach as headless or composable DXP. I mean, both approaches make sense to some extent, and it really depends, as I said, on the case and scenario. But if I would pick one, I definitely would pick low code, no code. And this is really the direction where we go as a Scantico rather than focusing solely on uh, headless and, and composability. Yes, we allow for these use cases, that's for sure, because we understand that, you know, there are use cases, market needs that and so on. But it's not, I would say, really our primary focus. Great. And I love how you use the word enable for the developers and empower for marketers. And it's a slight distinction, but I want to call it out because enabling is, I mean, you're really giving the authority or power to do something to a developer, right? They have that power to go and create or connect or build whatever needs to be built. And yet on the marketer side, we want to empower them to make them stronger, more confident in controlling their digital experiences. And so I, I love the way that you designated that because to me, that's exactly the reason for why the technology growth is where it is, where we need to serve both audiences. And I feel that the headless, and, and this is my opinion on this, but headless was really born out of developers kind of wanting yes. to take control back. <laughs> yes. And yes. play with the latest and greatest technology. Exactly. 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 It's really value proposition mm-hmm. for developers, right? And it's hard to sell that to really business people, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, there are many studies out there where you see that really headless CMS as a market is really not growing so rapidly mm-hmm. as everybody was assuming. And you can take a look at, you know, these companies uh, like Content Stack and Contentful. And, you know, I'm really wondering what's going to happen now because like with everything what is going on like in uh, economy after post-COVID, right? Like we see that actually there is not that much free capital in the markets anymore. And I think that these companies will really start to feel that, right? Because like last couple of years, they were growing so rapidly thanks to this, you know, huge amounts of external capital, which is good for them. However, still I'm wondering whether this really is also reflected in acquisition of their customers, in acquisition of their growth, in their revenue and stuff like that. And I frankly don't believe that because exactly for what what we just said, that headless CMS itself is great value for developers to, you know, play around with the latest and greatest technologies. And it's nice, all of these things like React, Gatsby and, and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's it's perfect for developers. But then at the end of the day, you always need to, as a business, you always need to go back to this ROI, right? Like what's the return on that investment, you know? And does it really worth it? And does that move my company forward, you know? And from what I'm hearing, you know, from our customers and and people uh, in the market, many companies realize that actually this is not the case and, and they are simply coming back. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I want to go, you also talked about the low-code, no-code, and when we talk yes. about how Headless is, uh, and, and, and Composable, very developer-centric and, and latest and greatest, and how developers really pushed, I feel, and pulled themselves into that area to, to, to play with the latest, greatest frameworks, which are incredible, and, and what we're able to see and, and do in digital experiences today. With that, though, I think we're starting to really see, and, and this phrase has been out there before, but I really think that the next four or five years will resonate even more because more and more people are coming with a little bit more programming experience than before. Before it was very separate. Marketing was completely separate. You probably really never touched a piece of code yes. back in the day. And you know, developers were there. And there will always be a need for both because there is customizations and back-end programming and even the front-end, all the crazy, incredible things you can do with CSS and JavaScript and everything. But for me, this marketing technologist role is critical for the low-code, no-code because we're now getting the marketer who's more savvy to be able to do a little bit more and they still know their limits, but the platform enables them now, right? I'm flipping that word. It was empower before to now start enabling them to do a little bit more themselves before a full development team needs to come in and do something custom for them. Every business will always have a customization. And I always talk about how you need to have your business requirements identified and have a platform fit those versus fit your business into the platform. And that's where I really think that, as you mentioned, right, the economy, the roles of people within an organization, you don't have a team of developers just waiting to implement Composable. It'll be a multi-year project. We were talking about that a little bit before we started the show of just the length of time Composable and Headless also take for mm -hmm. a business. And when you need that more immediate focus on ROI in today's day and age, especially the past two years after COVID and, and the impact that brought on the surge of digital experiences that had to be created just for businesses to try and stay afloat is incredible. But now if those marketers at those businesses had the ability to do a little bit more themselves, would they have been able to jump into it faster? Like how are we kind of proofing the concept through what happened the past couple of years into what the future technologies need to have to empower them that much more? Yeah, 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 yeah. To me, going back to this low-code, no-code approach, you know, and, and you can take a look at, for example, a platform like uh, Zapier, right? Mm -hmm. Like where you have, you know, all of these integrations kind of pre-built and even business people who are at least a little bit tech-savvy are able to do much more in seconds, right? And I mean, this time, this, this pandemic situation with COVID, I think that it gave a lot of people this understanding that the company might not exist in two years, right? So if you are planning to build some project which will be done in three years time, right? It might be late for you, right? Because your business might be out of business actually, right? Mm -hmm. In three years time, right? So so really the, the time is the essence. And if you have somebody and you need to react quickly. And again, you know, with this COVID situation where you have business which from one day to another needs to start selling online, right? You don't have like months to develop commerce solution, right? You just need to pick something super quickly and do this and, and switch really from one day to another, right? And and this is something what these technologies which allow for a lot of these low-code, no-code and, and which really empower these business personas to do the things on their own, do them quickly, and really allow them for quick innovation experiments, you know, 
this is really what, what is uh, getting more and more important, right? And this is where really this, you know, coming back a little bit to this headless and composable really doesn't match the picture, right? Because like there, you really need to take a time, you know, you need like collaboration of multiple people who naturally don't understand each other, right? Because, I mean, yes, the teams today are more collaborative, but still you have marketer and you have developer. They <laughs> speak totally different language, right? Yep. So it still <laughs> takes a little bit of time to get that uh, common understanding, right? What needs to be done. And simply, you know, in today's world, many companies don't have time for that, right? Mm -hmm. So they really are looking for the solutions which allow them to do these quick experiments, quick innovation and, and so forth. Absolutely, absolutely. And I want to make sure our listeners understand too, right? There's a place and time for headless or composable, but for a large majority of organizations, you really need to make sure that you have the true use case of needing that with multiple systems, large integration opportunities. But there's definitely a place where your DXP platform can suffice with what it has without going into that entire separated experience. Yeah. So I mentioned that my background is technical. And like when you are a programmer, there is always this, I would say, aspiration to use as many new frameworks and as many new, you know, piece of that programming language, just learn that because you are curious, you know, like somebody tells you that this is the next big thing, you know, it's sort of like this microservice architecture today, right? Like that everybody wants to go that path because it's a buzzword, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's the way how I think also about the headless and composable because yes, there are definitely valid use cases and that's why we are also like allowing for these scenarios and our current platform, you know, since 2011 actually allows for headless use cases and our new platform, which uh, we're going to talk about uh, as, as well, also is headless native or API first platform. But we simply don't focus just on this, right? Because like if there is no valid use case for that. Why to actually take that hassle? Just because, you know, it's a buzzword and it's a trend and, you know, some analyst tells you that this is the thing you should do, right? But you just do that for sake of that, right? And I don't like personally, like my personal philosophy is that like, I don't like to waste time and effort on something just because somebody told me or just because it's cool, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I wish you could talk to more of some of the prospects I talk to who think that Headless and Composable will solve all their problems. But yeah. <laughs> uh, with that, and, and you've dropped a few hints, and I, I promise we will get there, but I, I want to kind of go a little bit more into uh, the the Kentico content side mm -hmm. and uh, Kentico experience and kind of that the reason that that, I, I won't even call it, the split is the wrong word, but the opportunity for the two directions yeah. to go and then kind of lead into what's coming, the, the, the really exciting part of today. So uh, if you can give a little background on kind of that directional aspect of mm -hmm. the two and then what's happening next. Yes, yes, absolutely. So uh, let me go back to 2015 where our CEO, uh, Peter Palas, had this idea to really found internal startup. And he really saw this, I would say, opportunity or emerging market that one day there could be something or what really transform into this headless CMS uh, market. So simply that these low code, no code approaches in some sense 
weren't appreciated anymore, mainly by the development community, because they were limiting to them. And you had all of these technical innovations with Angular and maybe React already back then, you know, and these like front-end JavaScript-based frameworks. And simply that traditional DXP started to be considered as a big monolithic beast, uh, which is too expensive, too heavy and stuff like that. And there was simply this idea of building some very lightweight CMS, which is built just on top of APIs and which really is cloud native and really just deployed in the cloud. And that actually the front end will be hosted somewhere else than the, than the back end. So he saw that opportunity. And so he decided to start to build this internal startup, which originally used to be called, I think, Kentico Draft. And then there was Deliver. So it was a bunch of like different projects. Then it got rebranded to Kentico Cloud. And later on, this is what became known as Kentico Content and uh, as uh, Content as a Service or Headless CMS. So that was like one direction. And the second direction for our company was to continue in this uh, DXP space, because frankly speaking, uh, that business has been for many years and still is today very healthy. It's uh, profitable. It's um, very popular around the world in our community. So definitely successful by all means. So Peter has decided to really try to do like, you know, these two things kind of together. But as you can imagine, there was always this like internal competition and the focus uh, have been always on just one part of the organization, right? It's it's very hard to have like two products, which in a way and from the external point of view are quite similar to each other because they are solving similar type of the problems. So having these two products under one roof led by one management team, you know, it was really difficult to make sure that both products and both of these businesses in the way that they are treated well and managed well. So uh, then I believe in 2019, Peter made a decision to really create two divisions inside of Kentico and really have two separate teams managing, you know, these two separate businesses. So that's kind of the history, how we ended up uh, here. Simply there was this realization that there is a big opportunity in the market for both of these businesses. And I mean, many people, that's this may be also one other thing, which uh, is important to say that many people in the market, they were expecting that Headless will one day takes over and that really, you know, DXP as we know it today is going to be finished by 2025, let's say. But since actually there was this realization that Headless is really useful just for some use cases and for some other use cases, it's too complex, too expensive and so on. People simply started to embrace also these DXP solutions more and more. And so we realized at Kentico, or I wasn't part of the, that company at that point, but simply Peter realized and his team uh, at the time realized that actually there is enough space and enough opportunity for both of these and that also the clients are different, right? And while content is 
really focusing on Fortune 500 and really on the big enterprises on the global scale. Our focus is to be at the edge between the enterprise and mid-market. And really, we work, for example, with some Fortune 500 companies, but only in certain countries. Uh, or we work with these companies in some department, so on the branch or departmental level, right? And for these companies, really, our value proposition, where you have really this flexible DXP, which gives you the entire platform and gives you the foundation to really grow digitally, is much better and much easier value proposition than this this headless. While actually, I can imagine that really, you know, for these companies, and I already said that, right, like for Amazon.com and companies like that, yeah, this headless way completely makes sense, right? So we also realize that actually the target market and the ideal client profile is simply different and that it no longer makes sense to try to have like uh, these two really separate products and businesses kind of tied together and that it's better to really start this journey of the separation. Great. So with this journey of separation, timing and uh, just where is that future for Kentico? Yeah, so, and that uh, that goes down to this big announcement, which uh, we actually did a couple of days back. And that's that we decided to completely separate Kentico experience and Kentico content. So Kentico experience uh, became Kentico and we continue as Kentico as a brand and uh, we are that DXP vendor while content uh, really drops Kentico in its branding and got rebranded to Content AI and really continues as completely separate uh, company, separate business in uh, headless CMS or content as a service space. So it was very, very natural to actually come to this point. I think that everybody internally and also I believe that everybody externally will appreciate that we uh, made this move. And that actually it will help everybody in the market. I mean, customers of ourselves, customers of uh, content AI, all the partners like yourself, you know, and also us uh, internally. So I'm very excited to be quite honest uh, about uh, about this because we've really starting new chapter of this uh, of this book and it allows us, meaning us as a Kentico or former Kentico experience division to really go in our own direction. And just to give you example of like how the things uh, were working before. So we used to actually, part of the investment or part of the money which we made as Kentico were also funding this other business, right? This internal startup for years. So now for us as for Kentico, the big advantage is that there is complete financial independence, which allows us actually to invest even much more into our products, into our services. And and really this ultimately is helping us to innovate faster. And that's that's really a big thing uh, for us going forward that every dollar which we make now actually we can spend on the further innovations and and really improving our services and our product. So Dominic, one of the things that we've been talking about with that future statement and and some of the things that you highlighted is a little bit more on the cloud side. So Mm -hmm. with this uh, new approach uh, that Kentico and and, and Content AI is taking, can you talk to me a little bit more about the the cloud solutions as everyone is so used to the word cloud and everything nowadays? Where's that stand with Kentico? Uh, Yes, yes, absolutely. So 
at the beginning of July, we introduced this new product called Experience by Kentico, and it's a cloud-native solution. So by default, it is hosted in the cloud, and basically it's a software-as-a-service offering. We still do have option for on-premise and, and private data center. This is not what is going away because, again, you know, it's same like with that headless or traditional. For me, both of these really have their place in the world, and there are use cases where really having cloud solution is um, more beneficial. And I guess that in the future, it will be more and more the case. However, there are still cases where really private cloud or private data center has meaning or where simply uh, this uh, fits well, the use case. So we keep the both options uh, in. However, the platform is really cloud native. We also call that uh, flexible DXP, uh, which really means that you have you know all of these tools available. You have content management, digital marketing, personalization, marketing automation, everything in there. However, there is this flexibility both from the development perspective that you can customize the platform, you can extend that, but also you can really decompose that very easily. So if, for example, uh, you want to use some marketing automation tool, you can easily plug that in and easily connect to our platform. So that's uh, that's also you know how we kind of built experience by Kentico. Wonderful. And, and Dominic, I think the important thing there is, and, and, and we see it all too often, is certain industries, as much as cloud hosting and, and cloud native is appropriate, it is one where a full SaaS solution to, sometimes just is not the benefit for the organization. So we yes. love that you offer both options with this, and especially already having been cloud native from the beginning of it is critical so that it does work in the cloud in the ways that a lot of organizations have been moving over the years but yet you're also still supporting all those organizations where some other technology platforms out there are going full cloud and not looking backwards, which is losing customers at the end of the day. So I know us as a partner really appreciate that, where we do have a lot of hosting and management services for our clients, digital experiences, and in the hosting facilities, databases, et cetera, for where they need a bit more of that privacy and security that you can look for in a cloud, but it's also different from a true support perspective. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. And like you touched a very important point, and that is the security and uh, also privacy, right? And that's why also we decided to build our solution as a single tenant solution, mm -hmm. because this really gives you this additional level of security and privacy. And also from the, uh, I would say, performance perspective, we really believe that this is the future. Because today, most of these software as a service solutions, right? They, yes, you can deploy them on premise and they are fully multi tenant, which means that actually, you know, like the, the security and privacy is done on the application level, right? Not on the infrastructure level, which means that actually, if one developer makes some mistakes and accidentally, you know, allows for one client to see data of other clients, you know, there is no way how to stop that. And we see that these cases are happening. Same thing with, you know, the performance, right? If one client has a problem, this also influences all the other clients, right? So this is really the reason why we decided to go for single tenant, which again is quite rare, I would say, in mm -hmm. today's world. But I really believe that this is the right approach for the future because you have this level of additional isolation. Really, you have security and privacy by default because simply 
two clients don't share, you know, one application and they are really separated on the infrastructure level. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to go back and unpack flexible for a moment here too. And I think this is where we talked a little bit about it before, but really for me uh, and the growth that I've seen through our own clients utilizing Kentico is those tools that have been added, the, especially the digital marketing tools and, and, you know, you have the digital commerce in the past. And so I want to make sure that we look at the flexible aspect of how uh, experience by Kentico is still delivering on those to your point where you have the option for using what's there mm-hmm. and you don't have to use it, but yes. it's there for you as an organization to start in your digital maturity journey. And as you grow through that journey, there may be a point, as you mentioned, that it might be a need for a different marketing automation solution. What's great is that even if you've already been using that one to get you to that point, you have the option to still integrate in that external marketing automation tool or whatever it may be when you're at the right maturity level. And I think so many customers need to really look at and understand what that journey looks like for themselves. We're actually working on some new B2B and B2C e-commerce journeys specifically of digital marketing maturity because those are critical for how you learn to use different tools especially in the e-commerce space when there's so many different tools out there that you have to utilize for a standard e-commerce store today. But with that growth, it's then understanding where your true ROI, and you really hit on this earlier, where that ROI is for the organization with regards to the platforms that you're using in your MarTech stack. And I think it's so critical that that flexible aspect to experience by Kentico has been a focus as you've grown and developed this new product and direction. Yes, yes, uh, yes, absolutely, right? Because like DXP from one perspective is helping many companies to really transform digitally, right? Like you have, you know, some traditional industry like manufacturing, I used that example before, right? And this company, you know, at some point really realized, okay, I need to transform myself into the new century into into digital world right and so they buy dxp to do that right but first you start with the website maybe with some other uh channels and you always have some let's say journey to go through right and we want to help you to go on that journey and that's why we have all of these tools like personalization marketing automation email marketing and so on inside of our platform because you always can start very easily to experiment, right? And when you find out, okay, I, for example, outgrown email marketing solution, which we have available, it's perfectly fine. And, you know, we are flexible in the way that, yes, you can replace that with some other tool out there, right? Mm -hmm. But you always have this foundational platform in there and you can really take this incremental approach. And I believe that this is super critical for many organizations out there because as we discussed earlier, right? Like you don't have three years for your project, right? You have like two, three months maybe like to really transform yourself. So with DXP as ourself, you can really do that. You can really achieve your goal and then you can incrementally, you know, improve and innovate, you know, as you see it fit, you know, in your own speed, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Dominic, I think the word, the best word out of that is the foundational aspect of where you need to have that platform, your foundation be flexible for that future growth. And when you have a solid foundation, like what you have with experience by Kentico, that is going to give you that future growth as an organization where 
a lot of people end up replatforming every few years or I'm moving to yes. the latest and greatest. You have the latest and greatest and you're always releasing new versions of that. So why change that foundation out and take a two to three year project to do it to then do that again in two to three years when you can start with a single foundation and move forward into the future with the innovations and everything that Kentico is providing? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh, exactly right. Absolutely. And I, I, to your point, as a partner, I am excited for the separation in that sense because certain conversations we would have to make sure we start talking in very specific ways. Okay, well, which which one are we talking about when Kentico was there? So I know we're excited from that perspective, but also to your point, the innovation side. And it is incredible to see the growth of Kentico over the years from the, the CMS product to the DXP to that startup of Kentico content and the opportunities for that, which we've done some projects with, which has been mm -hmm. really exciting for what that specific innovation allowed for alongside of the continued growth of the, the Kentico DXP. So definitely as a, a partner, we're very excited for this and, and working alongside you and the team of just not only, you know, where that future is going, but also how we best serve our clients who are utilizing the platforms and the way that they use those tools in their day in, day out utilization for whatever the digital experience is on whatever uh, channel they're delivering it because there is so much innovation there. And it really provides that empowered marketer with the enabled developer still, which we're excited for, but also for the new innovations that are coming and, and what will be there uh, with some of the things that you mentioned earlier um, that will be future releases, uh, so to say. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really like one thing which you mentioned, and I wanted to just quickly get back to that, is really that, that confusion about the branding, right? Because, yes, there was one Kentico as a company, right? And they were two products, and I already mentioned that, which were doing quite similar products from the, you know, if you are, I don't know, manufacturing organization and you are looking for a solution for your digital marketing channels, right? Like you are looking at both DXPs and CMSs, right? And headless solutions, right? And at that point, when you are really just like looking around, for you, that nuances that how these systems are different, you know, and how they are solving the problems and all of these consequences, you know, this to you is like not so significant, right? Like as that manufacturing organization, right? So there was a lot of confusion, I believe, like in the market from the branding perspective, right? Like, like what what product actually is is what definitely this is going to help. The other thing which I wanted to say, and now I'm getting back to uh, one of the things which I promised uh, I, I wanted to get back uh, earlier. That's our philosophy as Kentico, because internally we use this philosophy, which is called win-win-win. Uh, and each win actually represents win for one part of our customer base. And uh, first, uh, first part or first type of our customers are really those end clients, you know, those developers, those digital marketeers. And for them, we really want to bring as much innovation as possible. And really how we look at the things from our perspective is that we are always looking at these enterprise tools at these, you know, Amazon.com of the world. And we really see what is practical also for our client base, you know, what is practical to the companies which might be smaller in the size, but they want to also like compete with Amazon.com, right? So, 
and whatever is practical and whatever whatever capabilities actually in the product are useful we just take them and also bring them to these you know mid market or to these upper mid market uh, customers how we how we call them so that's really uh, important part of our philosophy to really always like you know look at what is there and what is you know really practical and i'm talking here about the things like customer data platforms artificial intelligence use cases like personalization or text classification and uh, and things like that so anyway that's really that first win and that's the win for the end clients then there is a second win and that's the win for the partners and what i mean by that what we really always try to do is to make sure that partners like yourself for example you really can build solid business around us and you have powerful you know platform powerful tools services our support and everything so you can actually be successful right and and provide good services to those and clients and then there is a third vein and and that's really been for the third part of our clients and and that's us as a employees of Gentico and we want to make sure that all the employees you know are happy satisfied they really see working for us as a as a great opportunity and at the end of the day we try to do innovations you know and and moving forward in all three of these directions and basically every decision which we make internally we always try to do that in the way that it's win 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 for all of these three groups and at the end of the day everybody is happy you know and thanks to this separation thanks to this split and carve out of uh, content ai uh, as a separate business you know this really is great opportunity for us to be even better in this and really make sure that you know we get there faster and we improve faster and you know we grow as a company we allow grow our clients you know and we allow grow our partners yeah absolutely and Dominic, I, i love that philosophy of just one how simplistic it is but yet how impactful that mm-hmm. is when you use that in those decision making moments now as we have to wrap up our show as much as i want to keep going and talking more i want to make sure that we we ask our, our wonderful end question of what does the future look like so we have a little bit of that right with that announcement yes. and everything that's happening but uh let's just talk even just in the market itself for dxps and and, and we've yep. already kind of handled the headless and composable but in five years three three to five years because five years is harder now to forecast right with technology growth and innovation yes in three to five years, where do you see this space really evolving into and, and, and mm-hmm. innovating into more yeah, appropriately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me just start by saying that actually at the beginning of July, we officially launched our new platform, our next generation platform called Experience by Kentico. And where we see the future is something what we are trying to kind of build our product today. because. Like the way how I think we've been always successful and we continue to be successful is always really like looking a little bit behind the curtain, you know, and looking exactly on this three to five years horizon and really see where the market is going and then really start to build for that today. So and this is exactly what we've been doing actually already last two years because this this new platform which we just launched uh actually is something what we've been working on for uh last 18 months already and for us the future really is in that combination of everything what we were talking about 
And that's that combination of the traditional way for, I would say, majority of the use cases, and then headless for some of the some of the other use cases, for these special use cases where you really, really want to leverage this separation of the front end and back end. So that's the first thing. The second thing uh, for me is again of this digital maturity, because like digital mature companies today, you know, and the tools which they are using today, this is different than how the situation is gonna look like tomorrow. So today, you know, when we really are tapping into things like artificial intelligence and stuff like that, I think that these things three to five years from now, they will be quite common. But finally, uh, again, we realize as a society that artificial intelligence is not silver bullet for every single use case, right? And so we really figure out what use cases are very useful uh, where this has really, you know, good enough ROI, where this is, you know, practical enough and where this is, again, not just the buzzword, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that we come down to this, uh, to this understanding, okay, so here actually artificial intelligence uh, use cases and, and machine learning really make sense and we will stop again you know just mining data just for sake of that you know and storing them somewhere and trying to figure out something very artificial uh, from that right so so I think that that we finally come down to this practicality of the artificial intelligence and then the third thing is something what um, also actually uh, Gartner as an analyst are talking about and that's something what is total they call that total experience and this is really that experience that you as an employee and you as a client of the same company a lot of the things are actually quite similar for you a lot of the things are the same for you right like a lot of the information which is out there right like something really you want to share in the very same way with the employees and with the clients, right? You want to give them the same uh, information. You you maybe even want to give them the same tool set to work with, right? So I think that these today different worlds, they will somehow start to like, you know, they will simply become one, you know, in the future. And all of the things, because we are as a DXP or, or CMS, um, we are basically in the business of, sharing of the information and where DXP is going and where they will play uh, the role in that is in the really aggregation of the information because even today you have you know millions of tools internally you have you know emails you have all of these like word google docs and and all of these other documents you have crms you have erps you have you know all of these different tools and somebody needs to aggregate that information and send that through the right right channel to right audience, right? Whether it's employee, whether it's a client, whether it's a business partner, you know, whoever is that. And I really believe that DXP will play the major role in categorization, in, in sorting this information, in aggregation, in making sure that, you know, the right information is shared to the right audience. So this is really where I believe our, our future is going. And this is how we are building already our experience by Kentico product today. So actually we can accommodate that need in the future. Wonderful, wonderful. Dominic, I appreciate your time today and that you were able to make it in studio with us. 
I just want to say to your last point there, the total experience. We just received the total experience of Kentico from Dominic. So I'm very thrilled to be here with you to talk about the announcement, which is very exciting for Kentico and Content AI. Very excited for our growth as a partner with you as we go into both of those overall. Uh, I want to thank our listeners for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you want us to cover a topic or submit feedback, email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know. Be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us. While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating and sharing this with others to prepare them for the future. And also, don't forget to follow us on social media, where I am, but I also am not. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, and I'll catch you in the next lesson.